Well, up next on the program, uh, the Central Bureau of Investigation has arrested the Videocon Group founder Venugopal Dhut in connection with the ICICI bank load fraud case. The arrest comes two days after the arrest of the bank's uh, former CEO Chanda Kochar. The CBI is investigating a case linked to alleged irregularities in an over 3,000 crore loan provided by ICICI to the Videocon Group when Chanda Kochar was heading the private sector bank. The big question, bank frauds in India... Why do these happen so frequently and where does this leave the system? We've got a, a great panel, but first uh, I'd like to go across to Jaimani Bhagwati, the director of IDFC Bank, and Rajneesh Kumar, the former chairperson of SBI. Mr. Bhagwati, let me come across to you first. Um, you know, we can look at this through various prisms. There's the entire issue of bank fraud. Then they can, we can look into the entire issue of insolvency in certain cases, the issue of recoveries as well. But ultimately, when it comes to Chanda Kochar, uh, isn't it an issue of trust that a leader of a bank as large as ICICI could betray the trust of millions across the country? How does one, uh, I mean, how, how would one look at this in any way apart from that, that this is a woman who breached the trust of millions across the country with what appears to be an out-and-out case of corruption? I give you a loan, I, my husband takes back a small amount. No, you're absolutely right. There is a breach of trust here. But there's a context to all this in the sense of what has been going on in the banking sector in our country. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I believe uh, that loan has been fully repaid. But I may be wrong because, you know, there are so many items which are flashing across one's phone today because of this arrest of this high-profile person. But if, uh, take a step back. Uh, to to look at uh, long-term lending uh, within India. You might recall the economic survey of 2016-17, and we keep talking about the twin balance sheet problem. Uh, the one side is the bank, and unfortunately, public sector banks are always uh, uh, held up to ridicule, and I, I strongly disagree with that point of view. And the private sector banks, and in this case, this is a private bank, which started off as a term lending institution in 1955 and did a reverse merger. You know, individuals can go wrong at various places. I would think that one needs to look at it systemically. And systemically, for one thing, we don't want to open up. Now, for instance, we are talking about this is a relatively small loan that Mr. Dhut has uh, taken. Uh, if I remember right, there were Videocon Industries took uh, 65,000 crores from Bank of Maharashtra, defaulted on it, yep. and has only repaid 5,000 crores. Yep. So this goes on and on. So I'll stop here unless you want me to give more details about the background. Um, Rajneesh Kumar, uh, you know, Mr. Kumar, how should one actually be looking at this? Because Chanda Kochar is somebody who actually cleared this loan, a part of which evidently landed into a husband's account. Uh, as some sort of a kickback or a payback. Uh, but along with her, there were other extremely, extremely well-known people who were all leaders in the banking sector who were part of the process to clear this. So was this not a an out-and-out -out failure of leadership to clear this loan in the first place? No, uh, Vishnu, uh, let me clarify or uh, let me make a statement that uh, a case which is under investigation and subjugus to me, it is not appropriate that we discuss this, right? When I agreed to come on the channel, it was about the banking frauds in general. So, a specific case, I will not come in. 
because uh, we can't uh, do this at a national TV channel where the CBI is investigating the battle and puts something into So, why don't you tell us what this is about, sir? Uh, isn't no, this part of a larger, of a larger problem? Because it's not just no. Nirav Modi and it's not just, uh, you know, the others. It's, it's, the list is huge and the amount in terms of recoveries is minuscule. So let me put the battle in perspective from the banking point of view about the frauds. So banking system is prone to the fraud. So let us admit that is the reality. And the frauds are of several types. One are what is called credit-related or loan-related frauds. The other is about the operational frauds. When you go to ATM, your card gets copied, yes. money is siphoned. Yes. In many cases, there is identity theft. You do a transaction on an e-commerce site, uh, there is a case of identity theft and a fraud would happen. The other category is phishing cards, which you receive. So, the, the frauds relating to credit also can be of several types. One is in a couple of states, I won't name the states, but when I was SBI chairman, there were mortgage-related frauds where because their land records were not properly maintained and the title deed would turn out to be defective or fraudulent. So that is another trend. Till 2012 or 13, when RBI came out with a circular where they said that if there is a diversion of funds, yep. that has to be reported as fraud. Prior to that, diversion of funds was not reported as a fraud. Uh, the, uh, it was NPA. Now, frauds can happen for both reasons. One is where there is an insider involvement and the other is where there is no insider involvement. Right. So, what you have to recognize and realize that banking system, because it deals in money day in, day out and millions and millions of transactions happen. It is vulnerable to frauds and it is not that the banking system does not react to it. For every case, there is a root cause analysis done. You take steps to plug in what were the weaknesses which led to the fraud. And then sometimes the fraudsters would find... No, but, and yet, Mr. Ways. Kumar, if you look at, if you look at just um, the amount recovered and the number of cases which exist, I realize our banking sector is huge. But the volume of cash which has disappeared, it, it just shows that this is a system at so many levels which is failing. No, again, like uh, as I said, that when it comes to loan-related frauds, what you have to recognize is that we are double counting also in it. That uh, one is that uh, the, there are NPS and banks are making provisions, and uh, for a couple of years, four or five years, uh, there was a situation when the NPL problem was the, the accounts which became NPL, it uh, was very high and all the banks suffered in the process. Uh, and as I said that till 2012, uh, till such time IBR said the diversion of funds is a fraud, uh, it was not accounted for as a fraud. So that okay. is, uh, let us not get into numbers, but if you are asking me... No, but sir, I can, why not, why not get into numbers? Because in fact, 
uh, Mr. Bhagwati has come out with these numbers with a great deal of detail. And would you like to come in? I mean, I'm just looking at no, the no, entire process like, of, of recovery. No, no, but, but, but half a second, sir. These statistics are important. I don't think in our country it's enough to say that, look, it's a system which reacts and it's a big system. And there is a system of checks and balances. We try and fix it. One of the biggest problem is, problems is the amount of time it actually takes to sort out the mess. In, in fact, there was, this, there was this number, Absolutely. 270 days as of March 2021, ongoing insolvency resolution processes, about 80% were not resolved after 270 days, which is the statutory outer limit. That's just one of any number of examples. Bottom line, there's no justice. It's justice delayed. Yeah, absolutely. If you want me to comment on that. Please, please, comment, know, comment, comment. That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> yeah, you know, you have a strange situation where the uh, then uh, leadership of RBI came out with a circular in February 2018, I believe it was. And then it was struck down uh, in April 2019 by the Supreme Court. I think uh, I think we have, one can criticize a judgment of the Supreme Court, not the judges. So I very strongly criticized that judgment on the grounds that that particular circular of RBI, which internal RBI studies showed, uh, managed to hasten the process of resolution of cases, which again became slow after that uh, particular guideline was struck down by the Supreme Court. But coming back to what you said about resolution and the number of days it is taking, let me put it very pithily. You have 70 judges approximately in our national company law tribunals you need five times the number, which is 350, and that responsibility falls squarely in the ambit of the central government. Right. It has not appointed enough judges. You look around the world. I've actually done a study. That's why I'm familiar with the numbers. Uh, and nowhere in the world can you manage uh, this kind of loan volume and the number of cases with the number of relatively sure. junior NCLT judges. So you need to beef up the process by which the insolvency... Yeah, otherwise, this will keep getting hurt forever. Okay, I'm Absolutely. also joined... Sure, I'm also joined by Nasser Salim. Uh, uh, Madan Samnav is also joins us, also HP Radina. I'd like to uh, thank you uh, three for being with us. Nasser Salim, the other, uh, the, <laughs> the, the, the other point uh, which I think one needs to, to sort of look at is um, the, num the, the actual volume... Uh, of of these of of rupees, uh, it, it's staggering. If you look at the average amount in terms of loans which have been given, which if you know which are, you know, it's upwards of twenty thousand crores as an average uh, in many of these high-profile cases. So, what does that actually indicate about the banking sector? Uh, good evening, uh, Vishnu. Um, see, I tell you, uh, volume aside, I think well, that's a pertinent question, but I think that's also a function of. Uh, you know, the economy is growing. In um, fact, let me give it to you in a little bit more detail. I found the point that I was looking for. The latest, right. one of the newer economic surveys have reported that the average size of non-performing loans for the 50 ah. largest borrowers was estimated right. to be about 20,000 crores. This is a right. colossal amount. No doubt. I think, uh, you know, the volumes are large. And I think, uh, you know, coming back to your original question on, on uh, to the earlier two panelists. You know, I think, uh, Vishnu, we have to somewhere go back and understand two key things here. Number one, uh, you know, is there any quid pro quo uh, uh, situations that arise when, you know, when, when we look at this from a, a framework of policy? 
Yeah, I'll tell you uh, something, uh, Vishnu. RBI has set out very stringent guidelines and policies for disbursal of loans, and especially large ticket sizes, which are consortium financing. Yep. They're consortium uh, you know, uh, financing options, basically. And there, <clears throat> if you ask me, the, the SOPs, you know, the bank's code of conduct, uh, the framework for dealing with conflict of interest and fiduciary duties are very clearly, clearly outlined, I must say. Okay. They need to be followed to the T, Vishnu. And I think, you know, wherever we've seen an imbalance between corporate governance and, you know, corporate governance is something which uh, is, is, is essentially uh, involves creating a balance between the many stakeholders of the sure. company, such as shareholders, customers, suppliers, executive, government and the community. Whenever, whenever there is an imbalance between any of us, we see... Uh, frauds amounting to this colossal amount that you've mentioned. Sure. I Just one sec, I wanted to quickly go across. I'm running short on time. Madan Sabnavis with us. The other point is the entire issue of recoveries. If you look at um, the amount recovered as a percentage of the amount involved, 2012, 2013, only 22%, went down to 18% the following year, 12%, 10%, 2015, 2016, 10%, uh, 2016, 2017. The actual recoveries are a joke. The money is gone. It's disappeared. Absolutely, Vishnu. I think that's the malaise which we have whenever we talk of this kind of willful uh, defaults. And uh, while the number which you're talking of is definitely large, we should also remember that it's just these few handful of cases which give overall banking a bad name. So the way I look at it, Vishnu, is that we need this needs to be a wake-up call for the overall banking system. Because, you know, the problem is that when the conditions are very good in the economy, every te- everybody tends to be over-optimistic. The lending standards are also narrowed. Now, what you're talking of in terms of fraud, I think that's a, that would be more a kind of an exception than a rule. But I think banks tend to be a bit more lax when things are going good. You think, okay, credit is going to grow at 20%, 25%. And you also feel that these kind of big ticket loans which you give also helps you to meet your own targets in terms of your own profits or whatever the income which you're, which you're targeting. Right. And that's what I think that's a kind of an error which was made which led to the NPA problem. And part of it, what you're talking of, has also resulted in these fraudulent cases. So I think this is something which banks are cognizant of. Rather than looking at, uh, okay, what's happened is if be not good, but I think if banks have learned the lesson and have better uh, processes for screening the loans and more importantly monitoring the end use, I think what you're talking of is really whether the funds are being used for the purpose for which they've been taken. And I think that can that is definitely work in progress. And I think the banks are uh, quite uh, cognizant of of uh, of this fact. And sure. I think they have taken a lot of action. Uh, Mr. Ranina, uh, you know this is the point that keeps coming up. If you look at the sanctioned strength of judges in an economy as large as ours where frauds come up, and, and that is at one level on account of the size of the beast. Um, it's, you know, I mean, the effort to actually raise the number of judges is, uh, is minimum, it seems. Isn't that at the root of the problem, that there is no justice because there aren't enough judges? You're right. This is a premier problem in India because uh, there is this tussle between the government and the judiciary as to the appointment of the judges. If that can be speeded up somehow, if uh, some more powers can be given by which, uh, say, the Supreme Court can appoint at least the lower category judges as fast as they can, then things can be speeded up. Another issue is that we have this retirement age of 62 years and for high court judges and 65 years for Supreme Court judges. There's no need for this age limit. We can easily extend this uh, limit and make sure that the existing judges who have a wealth of experience can continue to function. 
even as ad hoc judges, there's a provision in our constitution where the ad hoc judges can be appointed. Now, why can't this be done so that the number of judges increase? Why do judges have to retire at the age of 62 when the Supreme Court judge continues to 65 in America, they're there for life? But apart from that, we can easily have a group of people who can certainly sit on the benches and expedite these matters. Now, in NCLT today, what we found that they are dealing with corporate law matters, they are dealing with IBC matters, they are dealing with so many matters. We can we need to have a separate. And there are only sixteen benches. For and for As I understand it, there are only about sixteen benches in yes. all of India. You have additional benches only for insolvency. Additional benches for company law. You have to have more judges, more specialized judges. Right. So it's not enough to say that the system has to be cleaned up. If the system isn't cleaned up, who's there to clean it up? If the judges aren't in place, look, uh, I'm out of time on this, but um, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll end by the way I began. The entire case of ICICI, a colossal breach of trust, a breach of trust in some of uh, people who we believed were some of the finest in the country. Uh, let's see what finally happens in the court. Uh, but uh, why is India's banking sector so vulnerable to frauds? Unfortunately, I suspect that's something that we'll need to revisit. I'm out of time on this program. From all of us here, good night.